0: Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Klaget, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong.
2: Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you, Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole (laughs) Klaget with Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? You
0: know, I'm doing really well, and it says a lot. You got me out of my home tonight, and I have family visiting that I haven't seen in 10 years.
2: Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't bring them all to the studio here. You know, here. I should you know? have.
0: That would have been fun.
2: You could have wore them out a little bit. You know, they could do half the show. You and I could go them. <laughs> take a coffee break. That would have been fun. But no, no, I appreciate you making it out. We, we always love having you on, Nicole. You do such a wonderful job on this show. And this show will be no different because we're going to be talking about assisted living And this is a concept we've discussed before. But, you know, again, with so many aspects of caregiving, it's important to sort of get ahead of these things and do some planning and sort of do some research beforehand before you're thrusted into a a caregiving crisis. So. Nicole, we've got a wonderful guest here in the studio. We've got Jody Bewin. She's a director of community relations for Avondale Assisted Living. And Jody, thank you so much for coming in oh, this evening.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me.
0: This is going to be great. Yeah, so assisted living, uh, we often call is the wild, wild west of healthcare out there because <laughs> you see one and you see one. There are just so many different assisted living communities, and there are so many different levels of care. and. Mm-hmm. You know, I often talk to families when they're considering making a move for their loved one from the home that they've been living in for some time to a different home that they really, really think about – the big picture, you know, what diagnosis does your loved one have? What chronic conditions do they have? Because that will really inform, I think, the choice that you make for the future of their long-term care. The one thing we definitely don't want to do is constantly move a person from one place to another. So an improper sure. placement is a, is a huge heartache for a lot of family caregivers mm-hmm. that we work with.
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It is such a challenge for people because obviously most people want to stay in their home forever. And so when they are faced with the decision that honestly we can't care for you in the home it's too cost ineffective it's not a safe environment then they have to look elsewhere and of course assisted living would be that that next option for people but because it can be overwhelming just as you pointed out having so many different options out there and the options are changing daily it seems I <laughs> it mean is, yeah. uh, we are a care home you know mm-hmm. that's a whole nother concept with assisted living but there's other options out there as well and so it can be overwhelming so I always like love when people can prepare. And that's what's going to make it an easier transition for their loved one. It's going to make it easier on their lives because obviously most of these people are working adult uh, children. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just to keep it simplified, preparing is everything. So preparing questions to ask, visiting, um, and most critical is to try to visit prior to need. Yeah. And,
0: and but preparing is huge. And so, you know, oftentimes we are so crisis driven in our own lives, right? We don't deal with True. anything until it's like right in our face screaming at us. True. And so when you're caring for a loved one who is older and has chronic conditions and a lot of complications related to it, that's really not your best bet. You really need to sit there and think about the future before it really hits you. Because when you're in a crisis, you may not have all the same amount of choices
3: as you would if you were thinking about it. Right, right. Earlier on. A lot of these places, especially the good places, right, have wait lists. Mm -hmm. And people aren't aware of that until Mm -hmm. they go to visit and they say, oh, I love this place. It's everything that I want. But it might be a year out, a two-year wait list even, Mm -hmm. or further. So people really need to start looking prior to need. And they need to consider especially the development of their loved one going forward. What cares might they need going forward? They might be in pretty good shape now, but as you mentioned earlier, you really don't wanna have to move people more than once or twice in their lifetime. So you wanna try to get all the care services you can all at once if possible, or as many as possible, and make sure you're choosing the right fit for your loved one.
0: And oftentimes, you know, a big sort of objection that people have is, well, you know, I don't really wanna tour these places yet because mom's not ready. Or mom Mm -hmm. may say, I'm Mm -hmm. not ready. But Mm -hmm. it's okay to take a tour, Mm -hmm. to get on the list. And just because the building community calls you up and says, we have a room available, yeah. doesn't mean you have to take it. True. So it's not like True. you're written in cement there. You can say, you know what, we're not quite ready yet. Please keep me on the list. Right. And then right. when there's another availability, they'll call you up. And so you, you, it's much better to have an option to refuse versus you begging people to, to, to take your loved one.
3: Absolutely, in. absolutely. Plus what people really need to realize too is when they do go out to tour these places, they're getting counseling from the sales staff, the mm-hmm. marketing staff, whoever is touring them, is helping them guide their um, uh, what talking points when mm-hmm. they go in front of their loved one so that they can convince their loved one that this is the best decision. Mm-hmm. And they're also giving them lots of information to go forward so that they can make a good decision too. Um, it's, it's critical that people understand upfront what they're wanting for their loved one, so that they're down to maybe one or two options. So they're not overwhelming their loved one Mm -hmm. either. I mean, that's especially critical with assisted living because oftentimes we're dealing with dementia. Mm -hmm. And so it easily can become overwhelming for the resident themselves. So it's great when families can isolate and know this is the place for you and visiting it they oftentimes can take pictures and use that as talking Mm -hmm. tools when they do meet with their loved one at a later date and, and to have that big talk.
0: One of the things, too, that I think a family caregiver needs to take in mind when you start going around looking with your loved one in mind is truly keep your loved one in mind, not mm-hmm. what your preferences are and what you find beautiful and appealing, right? So, Absolutely. You know, we are, you know, in this, specifically in the nucleus area of Raleigh-Durham and Chapel Hill, we have so many options for assisted living, independent living, and so on and so forth. And there are there are literally growing up left and right in brand new beautiful places that look a lot like what you might think would be really awesome to have in your house. Those granite countertops, mm-hmm, those stainless right? steel appliances, right. these plush rugs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But you need to look beyond that, right? Because some of the older buildings, even, you know, they may not be as beautifully furnished as some of the newer ones, but really what it's going to need to come down to is that level of quality of care. You need to talk to those buildings uh, about, you know, their staff turnover rate. You need to watch for the interactions between those personal care assistants or the certified nursing assistants and the residents, because the reality of it is the CNAs or the nursing assistants are the backbones of these of these properties. And so if you don't have – if you have a high turnover rate or if you don't have what you see as a lot of really good interaction going on between those individuals and the residents – That's really going to ultimately be the quality of life that your loved one receives.
3: Absolutely. I mean, no way is a floral arrangement going to care for your loved one, right? (laughs) It makes you feel better (laughs) a little bit, though. It looks gorgeous in the entryway, right? But ultimately, especially with assisted living, it's all about the care. um, And that is critical. So, yes, I always tell people or try to coach people to ask about the care ratio. How How many residents does each caregiver have to take care of? That's really, really important important cuz in some places they're overwhelmed they don't have time to spend with the with the loved ones that and they mm-hmm. want to be able to spend time with the residents but they don't have that luxury right and so oftentimes they're rushed it feels rushed they're exhausted All of that plays into the care. And so it's really, really important that um, the quality of care is there, that they do have a little bit more flexibility in terms of what they can offer the people and being able to tailor the care to the individual. Getting to know Mm -hmm. the individual is really, really important and what their needs are. Um, So that's, that's really important. And equally important, I believe, too, is the oversight of the care. Um, and knowing what systems do you have in place um, to track medication management, for instance. What safety features do you have in, in the home or the community? Um, a lot of these are very, very important aspects, in addition to still understanding what type of activities do you offer. Um, how often is that changed? Is, do you do one-on-one activities? Because a lot of times with assisted living, people are more in a one-on-one type of activity Um, mode, so to speak, versus group setting um, type uh, level of care. So that is equally important. So engagement is very important on an assisted living level.
2: Yeah, asking those questions and knowing what to expect is very key. We're having a great discussion with Jody Bewin. She is the Director of Community Relations for Avondale Assisted Living, and we're going to continue our conversation right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of transitions life care on News Radio 680, WPTF.
1: This is Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygitt from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong.
2: You are listening to Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, who is celebrating their 40th anniversary, you can go online to transitionslifecare.com. Dot org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest this evening is Jody Bewin. She is the Director of Community Relations for Avondale uh, Assisted Living, and we're having a conversation all about assisted living, Nicole.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really love this conversation, especially because it is probably one of the most complicated levels of long-term care. Um, obviously, there's a set level of care that's provided, but outside of that, it is just, there's just so many different options. It's almost like buying that, you know, car with all the various different op- options. Do you want a moonroof? Do you, you know, do you want heated seats? I, and I actually understand there are now <laughs> cooling seats. So that, I guess we could use those in the South sometimes. I haven't felt that yet this year. But um, let's talk a little bit about pricing, because my understanding, the um, last I checked into this, is that there are basically two types of pricing. There is sort of a flat rate, and then there is a tiered rate.
3: Right. Or a la carte. There is actually a third as well that I've seen out there. Um, and that is a really critical part of touring as well. Understand, if you can, ahead of touring, what your budget is. is very important. Review the finances and know approximately what you might be able to afford monthly before you go out. Um, because that, that will be really important, as part of, obviously, as part of your decision. Well, but, and
0: a misnomer is Medicare pays for this.
3: Well, yeah, exactly. And, and it mis- doesn't. And it It does not. Uh, Medicare will pay for the health component of it. So doctor visits, that sort of thing. But yes, it usually is private pay. There are subsidies such as uh, VA aid and attendance, as well as getting um, long term care insurance can play into it. Some assisted living facilities will also Uh, allow for Medicaid. So that's a good question to ask. If you ran out of funds, could they transition to Medicaid? Not all of them. In fact, most of them do not. Mm -hmm. So that's a very good question to ask. But yeah, it is important to understand too, is it all-inclusive? What does all-inclusive mean? Um, Because that too, just that term alone can be different between communities and care homes and such. Mm -hmm. So it is important to know all the costs. And by all the costs, I also mean the entry fees. Um, Most assisted livings will have entry fees of of some sort or another. So you need to play, uh, play that into the equation. And there is some negotiation in some of this as well for folks. That some are listening for some communities, some not. So yeah. again, that varies as well. Um, it just depends on the community and what they choose, just as as well as you know the care that they provide. Some can provide more care than others. So it truly is um, kind of up to each of the communities as well in terms of what they present.
0: So one of the great questions that I think people should ask um, is really first of all educate yourself on the disease processes that your loved one has. So whether mm-hmm. it's you know they have congestive heart failure or they have uh, lung disease or they have diabetes or dementia or whatever it is, kind of look, and I know we don't like to do this, but kind of look into the future because most of these disease processes have a general kind of way that they fall out to the end and and look at that and learn about that. And what's, what's it gonna look like, you know, if this disease process is the process that ultimately results in your loved one's death down the road, what does that look like in two years, in right. five years, in right. seven years, in right. 10 years? And then back up, because if it looks like at some point they're going to need to be fed and changed and turned and positioned and needing more than one person to assist them and so on and so forth. If, if it looks like that that will be, you know, ultimately where things fall, you need to make sure that you find out from the from the place that you're going to place your loved one kind of what co- constitutes them telling you you need to move on to a different level of care.
3: Right. Or at which point does the level of care change the price point? Mm-hmm. So that's very important. What criteria is in place to say that now my price is going to increase? And how frequently will that happen right. over the course of years uh, going forward?
0: And, you know, there, and there are some assisted living communities in the area. Some literally are more for your general frail elder. You know, just typically your elder that needs, you know, a little extra supervision and some meal preparation and medications and, you know, maybe a little supervision assistance in the shower but if it starts to get to the point where they start needing to be fed and Mm -hmm. things of that nature they don't want to specialize in that, so they'll tell you you need to move on. Right. Um, while there are others on the way other side of the spectrum that almost touch nursing home level of care, where they have literal RNs on staff mm-hmm. at all times, and mm-hmm. they can even provide, you know, a two person assist, and they can provide even um, assistance with feeding, you know, with feeding, or even um, special tracheotomy equipment. So there mm-hmm. are, you know, mm-hmm. there's this huge mm-hmm. scale, there is. Um, and and you know, obviously the more robust. Um, assisted living communities tend to be a little bit more pricey
3: exactly exactly you you are paying for what you're getting right so right. and that's something that people really need to understand is that um, either you pay initially or you're going to pay gradually you you know there's just the various there's no matter uh, what
0: you're going to pay yeah
3: either way you're going to pay <laughs> um, and you just need to be aware of that right um, so yeah it's challenging, for sure, for people to navigate.
0: So you're here um, actually representing a, a branch of assisted living, and, and yeah. so Avondale is a group of family care homes. Right. So what's right. the difference between a family care home and a general traditional assisted
3: living community? Sure. So Avondale Assisted Living is licensed assisted mm-hmm. living, but we have family care homes and their actual houses in residential neighborhoods. We have 10 of them currently in the Triangle area along with a couple franchise homes as well and what we offer is that intimate setting for people Um, basically we have a three to one care ratio so we have one caregiver who is also a med tech all of our staff is med tech certified so anyone can manage medications and that's for our three residents So you don't do the five residents, you do three. We do a total of six residents in every home, but we have two caregivers during the day. Uh, We have one on at night currently, um, though that might be changing as well going forward um, because we do accept two-person assist lifts. Mm -hmm. And we do, the difference between us and some assisted living is that we do have a little bit broader range in terms of the care that we can offer. Mm -hmm. We can offer uh, catheter and colostomy care. Mm -hmm. Um, We can offer, you know, people can bring in Jerry chairs if they need it. We do the transfer assist. um, We can do all the bathing, dressing, grooming, all the care that they need, you know, for the most part. But it's very intimate, um, tailored care that we're offering and engagement for that matter. Mm -hmm. So, the beauty of us, I believe, is the fact that people will get the care they need when they need it mm-hmm. um, and that's what's really really nice. Um, they don't have to wait 10 15 minutes while you're passing meds down the hallway to everybody mm-hmm. before they can be you know, toileted, let's say mm-hmm. you know so they're able to not I believe have less um, possibilities of falls mm-hmm. because we're we have our eyes on our residents. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, they're sitting in the living room, uh, right. talking with each other, engaging. We have full time activity director as well as uh, three activity assistants. We're growing our company so that we're going to have three LPNs in our homes as well as an RN who oversees all of our LPNs as well. Um, we have a bus with a lift, so we're a lot like the big boys out there. Right, right. <laughs> but we offer it in a much more intimate setting. So what's the price point for living in a family care home such as yours? Sure. Um, so we range from about $5,500 all the way up to $8,500 depending on the home and also depending on the care needs. We do an assessment on everybody because our uh, what's most important to us is to make sure that it's a good fit for both people. It's mm-hmm. a good fit for your parent. It's a good fit for um, us as well. And the
0: other residents because it is more exactly. intimate. You know? Exactly. You, you don't want to bring somebody in who's just going to be agitating in personality into right. to everybody right. else. You know, right. A
3: small care home is not necessarily um, the best fit for everybody. Some people love a, a lot of activities and right. being able to have that big group uh, socializing type setting. We do that but on occasion. We'll have parties. We'll bring people out together 12 people at a time for outings that sort of thing. But it is mostly for people who want on A quieter setting and who need more one on one engagement. So, if folks want more information, how would they go about getting that? They can reach me. <laughs> and my number is 919, or excuse me, 984 365 1318. I'd be more than happy to talk with them, learn about what their situation is, what they're looking for, their needs, as well as schedule a tour for any of our homes.
2: That phone number to get a hold of Jody is 984 984- 365 984 365 1318. Again, Jody B. Wynn, thank you so much for coming in oh, this evening. Thank we you. I really it.
3: appreciate you having me.
2: Well, we loved having you on the show. This was a fascinating conversation. If you want to hear more of it, again, head on over to WPTF.com, head over to the Aging Matters section, and there you can find. Uh, this episode, when we uh, finish up the program tonight, as well as every other episode that we've done of Aging Matters. Stick around back with more right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a
2: service of transitions life care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and we're welcoming welcoming in a return guest. We've got Sam Hershey back with us again. He is the founder of EVIM Solutions. Sam, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Thanks for having me. And Nicole, we're going to be talking a little bit about empathy. Yes. And this is, uh, I think, very important when it comes to caregiving and, and going down these these journeys.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, empathy and sympathy, those are kind of two words that people interchange and often miss, mix up. And, you know, sympathy is more about feeling sorry for a person. Oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this situation. And it can be rather degrading for an individual to feel like somebody's feeling very sympathetic towards them them whereas empathy is is a is actually a lot more difficult to attain and achieve. It takes a lot more active listening skills, and it really is trying to walk in the moccasins of that individual and really feel what they're going through, understand what they're going through. Even if you haven't specifically experienced that moment, that feeling that that the individual is going through, you've probably experienced before. So whether it is a feeling of sadness or anger or regret or fear, you can relate that similar feeling and put yourself in that place, which a lot of times really makes you more adapt at helping that individual who may have some sort of a life-limiting illness or a chronic condition or a temporary disability uh, to 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 deal with what they're what they're feeling and going through. So so glad to have you here to kind of touch on that subject a little bit, sure. Sam. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, how do you really find as a healthcare professional yourself utilizing empathy really helps you engage with the uh, customers that you work with?
4: Well, I, I w- I have to, let me start by saying I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly when you said it's about uh, active listening, mm-hmm. and we don't do that enough. No. You know, too often it's you're just hearing, waiting to say something or waiting to ask the next question instead mm-hmm. of really absorbing what somebody is saying. And if you just stop you know, stop thinking about what's next and just listen to somebody. You can really, that's how you empathize. Right. Really, really listening, taking in what they're saying. Don't be in a hurry to switch topics or to ask them something else and just listen. And I think that's been something that's been a part of my entire life. Um, something that I wasn't even aware of. And, you know, until relatively recently that that's just been a trend for me, but I just find it so critical in every aspect of life and, and nothing more important than when somebody is sick and somebody needs help and needs assistance and and needs some home care or caretaking. um, Just listen.
0: Yeah, and you know, um, so there are are basically five actual steps to the active listening process. And if you're actively listening well, you are quite frankly exhausted. I mean, by the end of that process, you know, you really feel that entire process in in every part of your being. Uh, And the first part is really just paying attention, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, we all land into every situation that we're in and we're so busy, constantly connected to our phones and, and everything that's going on around us. But we need to remember when we get into that sacred space with another individual who's going through something traumatic to them may not be a crisis to you but maybe to them the first thing we need to do is kind of put all that stuff pack it up and put it aside and just take a moment to be intentional and truly pay attention to that person because whenever we come into a meeting whether i walk into the studio today to talk to jason or whatever it is we both have you know an idea of what we want to talk about and so the first thing is you know Put your stuff aside and just pay attention to that individual and listen to what they have to say. That's right.
4: That's right. And and I've been um, I'm a trained uh, life and executive coach, so that is basically rule number one Mm -hmm. for us as well. If you are not fully focused on what somebody is saying, you're never going to help them. And I think that really applies throughout life. I mean, like you said, be intentional. Whether you're training for a sport or studying for a test or just listening to somebody, set everything else aside. Focus on what you're doing be intentional. I, l- I love the way you said that.
0: Well, and I tended to be the, the kid in school, when I had an idea, my hand was up and I was going, ooh, 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 me, <laughs> me, 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 me. I was
4: the exact opposite.
0: <laughs> and so, because I just had to get it out. Yeah. So, you know, if you have that type of a personality because your 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 thought process is moving so fast and you're coming up with all kinds of creative ideas of how you might be able to solve the problem right. for a person, which right. is, you need to touch on that. Right. We're not here to necessarily solve the problem. One, one way to handle that is bring a notepad with you and you can just, you know, even kind of set it up in advance when you're having that meeting, you know, I'm going to ha- I have to have the sheet of paper here because as you're talking, you may That's say right. something that may trigger something, but I don't want to interrupt you. So it doesn't seem that you're rude, that you're writing something down or t- typing something in your phone. So they know, know you're actually paying attention to them and that way you can put that down and then you can get back to paying attention That's right to the, to the and conversation. I
4: w- and I would say, you know, have a. Have, it's okay to have notes when you're listening to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the important thing is really the phone. Put the phone away because mm-hmm. the phone. If you have a notepad, you you don't have other distractions on right. that notepad. If you have a phone, you can. It's easy to open a web browser yep. or check your email real right. quick, and you, then you're not fully focused check on what out. you yeah, Exactly.
0: Which is why we're not supposed to be doing that while we're driving. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's right.
0: So the next thing we need to do is really show that we're listening, right? Yes. And so um, give us some ideas that how do you actually show a person that you're listening?
4: Um, I think just, I, I don't think it takes a lot. I think just, um, you know, it can be a facial expression. Mm-hmm. It can just be a little nod. It can be um, saying how you understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't go, I wouldn't go too far just let somebody talk, Right. just show, if you show it in your face, which I know you, you can't see while we're, you're listening <laughs> to the radio, but if you show it in your face, they know. Right. And that's all it takes.
0: Yeah. And you know, a lot of it is maintaining eye contact. Right. right? But it's not to the point where you feel like a scary stalker. <laughs> you don't need to like be staring <laughs> right. deep into their right. soul. Yeah. But make, Maintain some comfortable eye contact, show positive body language. You don't want to sit with your arms crossed. You know, you may be thinking or completely not agreeing with that person saying, right. but you want to keep that judgment off of your face. Uh, and, and really, and, and if it's appropriate show, you know, if touch feels appropriate, you know, you can reach out and touch the person's hand or arm gently and, you know sometimes you have to feel that out to see where that person's boundaries are but if it's a very emotional conversation that may be appropriate as well
4: and I I would say though don't you know it's okay if your face reacts in a way that might not be like if you're having a real intense conversation it's okay to show some emotion on the face um, because that still shows that they're really engaged and listening so even if it's kind of a negative reaction like a cringe or something you're still listening now when it comes specifically to to healthcare and mm. home care, don't cringe. You know, be a little bit uh, be a little bit stronger than that.
0: Try not to just defer a right. judgment.
4: Right, no judgment when it's just not. You know, because that's that's empathy. Right. Now, if you're in a some, Lord knows we have lots of tough conversations going on across this country. I had one recently where I, my face was cringing, and you know that happens. But home care, hospice care. Be aware, and I think this goes to being aware of your environment. Mm-hmm. Be aware of who you're talking to and what the situation is. Kind of, you know, what you got got uh, to early on, being intentional. So know the topic, know what you're talking about, know what you're listening for.
0: So the next thing I think we, we should touch on as well is, is providing some feedback to that person. So there are p- parts of the conversation where there may be a pause. And I'll be the first one to tell you. We are we are so bad at this in the United States. And and I do this and it is actually sometimes regional, right? So I'm originally from the north and right. so we tend to talk 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 yeah, talk. talk. Yeah. And then I have a, an Italian background, so that makes it even worse <laughs> talk 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 talk, talk, yeah. talk and emotional. And so um we are not comfortable with the pause. And sometimes people just need to say something and that awkward pause is sometimes a very healthy space for that person to be in. And you don't always have to fill that in with lots of talking. You may feel uncomfortable with that pause, right. but just kind of get familiar and get more settled with that with, with, with that feeling. And especially older adults, a lot of times they need time to say something and, and, and you need to give them more time, especially if there's a cognitive impairment involved, to regather their thoughts and then say the next thing as well. And if you're not sure you're understanding what that person's saying, try to sort of reformulate what they just said in a different way and repeat it back to them. So you're not going to be a parrot and say "polly wanna cr- cracker, polly wanna right. cracker." But if they said, you know, "I'm I'm really just nervous about the idea of bringing someone from the outside into my home," you could say something like, "You know, if if I'm understanding you correctly, the idea of bringing in a stranger to the home right. is really starting to make you feel uncomfortable. Let's right. explore that a little more. What about that makes you feel uncomfortable?" Right. And then that way they feel like they were heard. That that you understand their emotion, and then you can open up the conversation to really figuring out what the actual issues are at, at hand.
4: Yeah, you sound exactly like a life coach. Have you had? <laughs> have you actually had that training? I have or not.
0: is <laughs> <So, laughs> my personal life. There you go.
4: Because it's perfect. You you don't need to fill the silence. Right. Okay. You want to let people think. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you asked a question, a what question specifically, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to a yes or no question, which doesn't lead to a wider conversation. And I would say also though, don't hesitate to ask someone for clarification. Right. Like, hey, what did what exactly did you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Or and and you can do it in a very calm, non judgmental voice. Right. And just say, you know, I'm not I'm not totally clear. Can you say that again so I get clarity? And that's totally fine.
0: Yeah. So I think we're at the point we're going to need to take a break, but I definitely want to touch on what you're talking about today related to your company, which is my personal insights.
2: We will do that right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your
1: care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging
2: Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF jason kong here with nicole Cleggett, and our guest in the studio right now is sam hershey he's the founder of Evum solutions and we're having a conversation all about empathy and nicole you are you and sam have been kind of taking us to school here because i, th- I think these are some really good tips that people don't often think about you know a, a lot of times conversation and listening where these are just sort of ingrained habits and it it takes some effort to sort of step away and, and pull back from that.
0: Well, and especially when when you're when you're engaged in very high emotional topics. So that you know the things that Sam and I were talking about before the break related to active listening really can be applied to anybody in mm. their life at any point whether it's you know dealing with a snarly 15 year old to you know dealing with some spousal related issues to you know even an issue in your work group um, you know wherever you work. If you really apply those tools, I think you'll really find that most of our failures in our in our world have to do with communication breakdown. And so you know as human beings we have this amazing ability to communicate, but we're really not that great at it.
4: Yeah, and I, I think one thing that we didn't touch on but is also important is, When you are there listening, if you're starting to feel emotional, it's okay to step away for a few minutes. Yeah. You know, just to kind of try to be aware of yourself and and say, you know what, I'm going to... Use the restroom real quick, yep. go gather your thoughts or go get a glass of water yep. or something like that.
0: Can we just take a break for a moment? You exactly. know, I think I think this is, you know, for me this is just, you know, I, I just want to take a moment just to reflect and yeah. can I get you a beverage? Anyway. And these,
4: are, these, these can be heavy topics, yep. so it's okay to do that.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. So you have an interesting website that I was uh, able to pull up called My Personal Insights. Talk to us a little bit about that.
4: Well, when we were, uh, Doing our other site, justincaseplanning.com, we were kind of also exploring other gaps in kind of the care field and and how and and somebody came to us and said, you know, in in some hospice and home care, there's gaps as far as knowing who the person is, and this kind of gets into empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone would show up, and they would, and because you have rotating volunteers, someone would show right. up and treat the medical side, and then. It would take, uh, take some time to get to know the person. And so we developed some very simple software that allows somebody who's walking up to just say, okay, here's a short biography about the person. Here's what they like and don't like. Here's what they enjoy talking about. So you're not just treating a medical issue. You're treating the person.
0: So that is one of my ultimate soapbox issues. And at at Transition Scouting Lights, we have a program called "Do You Know Who I Am?" Yes, and that is a dementia training program uh, for industry professionals as well as family caregivers. And I bring that up because it's really. Aim towards teaching us to not look at that person as the sum of their diseases. And that's very, and unfortunately, just the way the healthcare system is created, you know, the very first thing that you get is, you know, a a history and physical on the person. So they have diabetes, hypothyroidism, uh, you know, they have mild dementia, you know, whatever, they have a, a planner's ward, whatever it may be, that's what we see about that person. And then we take them into our buildings or we take them under our care and then we learn about who they are. And so this this training that I put together, specifically related to people with a cognitive impairment, really focuses on knowing who that person is is and, and the things that they used to enjoy before they were afflicted by right. their disease and utilizing those things to help you meet your goals. So when you have a person with a cognitive impairment who is really being what we call combative or resistive mm-hmm. to care, uh, which basically means they don't want to do what you right. want them to do when you want them to do it, and they may become you know, physically or verbally, um, they may, they may you know, hit out at you or, or yell out at you, that sort of thing. It's a lot of it's because that person's just not understanding or they're feeling out of control. But if you actually utilize some of the things that they used to enjoy to meet those goals, then that person has a better quality of life. And then you as a caregiver have a better experience. And so, you know, one of the exercises we do in the training is, uh, you know, I'll stand up there and my co-trainer and we'll say, okay, everybody write down the top 10 things that you think we both enjoy doing just right. by looking at us. Right. And so there's this whole list of everything that everybody thinks that we enjoy. And um, 99% of it's wrong. You know, they automatically. <laughs> They assume I'm a ballet dancer, can't even touch my toes. They think yeah. because I'm thin, I love to run. I get a runner stitch. I hate running. <laughs> and so, you know, so they make all these assumptions by my appearance, right. uh, but they don't really realize I love baking. Doesn't look like I eat much, but I do. And so, you know, we do that to the people we move into our buildings. We do that sure. to, you know, the people we bring under our care. So if you stick me in a running group when I'm 80 years old, I am not going to be a happy camper. So really knowing who, who that person is and adapting some of those tasks to make them successful is so important
4: and i think it's also good a good exercise for the family member who's helping fill out this software or filling out um, the program you guys have to kind of remind them that you know it's not like i have a 95 year old grandmother she has dementia and you kind of sometimes think okay that's who she is right she's 95 and she has dementia and doesn't know who anybody is really anymore, but that's not really who she is. And mm-hmm. so you have to like step back and say, here are all the wonderful memories I have of her, here's what she loved. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of a reminder not just, so it's not just for the caretaker, it's a reminder to the family that this is a person and this mm-hmm. is who they are and right. they've been a wonderful person in your life, hopefully, and um, to, to kind of go full circle and come back to empathy. and and be there with them.
0: Well, and it it gets to be very, very difficult. Specifically, I run into this a lot uh, with the spousal caregiving situations. You know, you had this unit as a husband and wife and then sometimes the wife or the husband suddenly just starts to feel like a caretaker and they've lost you know, just that relationship. And so, you know, doing something like this and having some assistance, perhaps bringing in some outside help and adapting activities is so vitally important. I met a woman at the Caregiver Summit uh, last week who literally her husband had just been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment. And she was sitting at the lunch table and she said... You know, I I I have a job where I work um, at one of the museums in the area as a, as a docent. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking to myself, well, I need to stop doing that now so I can be home more to care for my husband. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, is he, is he still safe to be home alone? And, and she said, yes. And I said, well, you know, does it feel like a burden for you to do this? And she said, no, I just feel like that's what I need to do now. And I right. said, well... You know, one thing is for sure, and I've been a caregiver twice, is if you stop doing the things that fill your cup, right. you are going to completely lose yourself in this caregiving. So whether or not, you know, he can appreciate the fact of the things that you do and can maybe talk about them as much, you're still going to have that little support network around you right. in this space. So as long as you can feel, still feel like you're, you can do this, I really would encourage you to continue to do that. And everybody at the table who'd been caregiving for a long time fully agreed, and she she said she would came to the conference looking for that answer. So, you know, it's, it's about continuing to do what you need to do for yourself right. as a caregiver. But then it's also, you know, let's just say this gentleman enjoyed making birdhouses and he's always done that. Well, maybe he can't do every step anymore. Maybe you need to set it up for him. Maybe you need to have a volunteer that sits with him to actually, you know, put the pieces of the birdhouse together, but he can nail the nails in and he can go outside to set them up outside. That's what we need to be doing as a community to look at how do we help engage our older adults, in my opinion?
4: And I think that applies directly to par- parents, too. And mm-hmm. I, as someone with a five-year-old, I'm technically a caregiver in some way. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. And it's, <laughs> no you know, it's making sure. But I do the same thing. I make sure that I still do other activities that are good for me. So right. when you're, whenever you're a caretaker, whether it's for a kid, an, uh, an aging adult, somewhere in between – Make sure you're still doing activities for yourself, right? And that will that will make you a better caregiver. That right. will make you much better caregiver because you'll have the outlets that you'll need, and and you'll just feel more fulfilled. and And your caregiving it'll be reflected in your caregiving, and they will appreciate it.
0: So let's mention your website for folks and how they can get a hold of you all if they want more information.
4: Uh, it's my personal insights. Um, we're geared mainly towards home care facilities or hospice care facilities. But it can be used on an individual level. It's pretty simple software. And it's really just about providing a, a, a snapshot, a biography, likes, dislikes, what they can do physically or not. Um, so when you go, so once a caretaker goes to a home, they know about the person
2: and not just the medical side. Awesome. Yeah, it's so important for getting to that deeper level of understanding. He is Sam Hershey. He is the founder of EVIM Solutions. Sam, thank you so much for coming in this thank evening. Thank you for having me. We are out of time for tonight, but on behalf of Nicole Kleggit, I am Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night.
1: You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.